welcome to the Knock On, Scoreline.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Stephen Byrne and on the show this week we chat exclusively to Carlo Mann and Connacht back Tom Daly. We talk about his younger years playing Gaelic football and rugby, representing Leinster and Ireland underage, his time in the Leinster Academy and senior team and then of course the move across to Connacht. We talk about the work being done at Connacht Rugby by Andy Friend and Bundyaki being called up for the Lions. And he talks about his aspirations for the Irish senior team and more. There's no Chris Pym this week, uh, but we're joined by Carlo Mann and uh, current Connacht player Tom Daly. Tom, how are you? Not too bad, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to the chat. Absolutely. Jeez, it's great to, it's great to chat to you. Um, Tom, I suppose before we get into a bigger conversation, great to see you doing well in Connacht. Um, yeah, Connacht flying it at the moment as well and playing a ferocious, fast type style of rugby. Um, and your form, in fairness, being pretty good over there as well um, and getting lots of, uh, I suppose, accolades and mentions uh, because of that as well. You must be enjoying yourself over there. Yeah, definitely no. Particularly this year now, it's been it's been really good for me. I uh, got a couple of chances at the start of the year to start a couple of games in a row, and I've kind of haven't looked back since. I've kind of been involved in every game so far this year, which is which is the first time in my career it's happened to me. So um, I've been reaping the benefits of that constant game time and kind of the performances have been getting better and better. Luckily for me, and um, yeah, no, it's it's obviously going to be enjoyable when you're when you're playing. So um, I think there's a lot of rugby players. In our a lot of professional rugby players in Ireland, and the ones who are enjoying it most are the ones who are going to be playing in, in games every week. So, um, yeah, I can't complain. It's it's going well at the minute, I must say. Tom, we'll go back to the start. You're a Carlo man. You're from Ballin, um, so you're out that back. All the decent rugby players seem to come from that side of the county. Whether it's Ballin, Tullow, out towards Clonigal, uh, I don't know. It must be the water or something out there as well. Um, uh, but. You started off Carl Rugby Club, I presume, as a young fella. Um, all the aspirations a young lad would, would have. Like when you start playing rugby, obviously every child goes out and plays it for the crack. Did you have aspirations of Leinster and Ireland and all that as a young fella running around? Uh, pro- probably not. At, well, not at the very start. I'd say I would have been. My aspirations would have been to play Gaelic football for Carlo. Probably more so. I was probably more of a footballer than a than a rugby player, but. Uh, yeah, it was, I would have got picked up by a, a man called John Farrell. He would have been heavily involved in the in the rugby club in Carlo, and I would have been playing community games, tag rugby with him. He was coaching the team in, in Ballin, and he kind of convinced my mum to bring me into the rugby club in Carlo for, um, I'd say I was under 10s at the time when I started. And then, um, yeah, it probably wasn't until under 16, 17s when you start getting involved in representative teams like the Southeast representative team, and then... Leinster underage teams that you start really thinking about maybe there being an opportunity to go professional in, in, in the sport but um, during the very younger years it would have been all Gaelic football and even through my time in Knockbeg where football obviously would have been would have been a big big part of my school days um, it was pro- probably football first and rugby second and it probably wasn't until I was them later teenage years that it, that it turned to rugby first. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose you're right. It's just when you're young, you don't really know what you want, in a sense, like you said. And it's only when you start moving through those uh, underage ranks, uh, particularly with Leinster, Carlo, and all that sort of stuff that you do. Um, well spotted um, to to you know see your talent at that age and then bring you in and, and give you a go at the rugby. Because obviously there's skills there and everything that complement both sports. Um, and it's, when you have people like... Um, 
himself to be able to see that in a player and bring them across, that's hugely valuable. And it's the reason why, I suppose, I, uh, rugby in Ireland is doing so well at the moment. Ah, definitely, yeah, definitely. And you kind of said it there. I think there's skills that cross over from, from all sports. So I think any young people listening to this, I'd recommend it. kind of try every sport when they're young and get a mix of everything. And uh, then hopefully one one will you know, eventually come the time where you'll have to choose one. But I think as a, as a young person, you're better off trying everything and getting those skills up because I would have played, I don't know, football, soccer, rugby, basketball, hurling, athletics, everything. I would have done everything growing up. So And it was only when I turn 16 17 18 that i would have started focusing on rugby but um yeah as you said that uh, john had a john farrell and carl rugby club had a massive a massive part of me starting rugby and he kind of coached me the whole way up through my underage teams because his two sons ronan and barra farrell are two twins who would have been on the teams with me to still be my good friends today and um he kind of coached me the whole way up until i was probably under 18 so i kind of said a lot in interviews that he was the one that kind of got me into rugby and got me started so yeah i owe a lot to him him definitely yeah, absolutely. It's people like that that, um, you know, create that path for you as well. And then it's up to yourself, I suppose, to prove yourself beyond that. Uh, did you ever get to represent Carlo after, Tom? Uh, Carlo Footballers? Yeah, the game yeah, Footballers, yeah. I would Not the senior team, no, but I would have played uh, all the underage teams, 14s, 16s. And I was in with the minors for two years. And I don't think I, don't think I actually got to play a game because I would have been playing um Leinster underage stuff in the summer as well but um I kind of wish I would have played one of the minor years but it wasn't to be because it kind of clashed at rugby and rugby always kind of came first at that stage as I said but I would have played yeah under 14 16s and and the whole way up I would have played each year so it was good did you find when you were younger as well that you were a bit torn between the different sports and that or, or did you naturally just gravitate towards rugby went yeah I think I'm gonna go for this one uh, when, when I was younger, it was definitely torn between between all of them. You kind of don't want to let any of the teams down. Like you have, you might have football on a Saturday and rugby on a Sunday, and you, you probably shouldn't be playing three or four games in a weekend. But you kind of do because you're you feel you feel like you're part of the team and you don't want to let them down. But then, as, I suppose, as you get a bit older and a bit more educated into into the kind of sports science side of things, maybe that you you kind of realize how important it is actually to look after your body and focus on one sport and as I said earlier there it's just it was just getting into them sort of slightly professional setups like um Leinster underage teams and stuff like that that you you realize how important it is to kind of pick one if, if you're going to go full full letter at, at one sport you kind of have to focus on that and give it everything really and do you ever think you know when you're in the Leinster underage setup that you know, you were going to be a professional rugby player at that stage. Is that did you did it really start turning into a reality? Then, you know, when you knew God, this this yeah, this is, I like this. You know, yeah, I, I'm no, going to pursue the this. Minute, the, the minute um, you get into one of them sort of professional setups and you realise that that could that could could actually be your job, it's like you're going to go hell for leather at it. Like it's a, it's sort of a dream job for any person who's invo- who who likes sports is to be a professional athlete. So, yeah, once I um. Yeah, as I said, when I was about 17 or 18, I was kind of getting into like Leinster under 18s and 19s. And there's talent identification programs where you'd be training in the summer with lads from all around Leinster who they identify as possible prospects to go on and, and be a professional. And once you're in them, them sort of setups and getting the treatment you get, like it's um, you'd be kind of mad not to give it everything and not to believe that you're going to be good enough to get there. So, yeah, that's that's kind of, that was kind of the turning point when I kind of, all other sports went on the back burner and and I kind of went hell for letter at rugby from then on. Yeah, talk us about that transition then. Um, like, obviously, you have, you're 
took up playing rugby in Dublin, one of the clubs up there. You're with Lansdowne was one of the clubs you were with. So obviously you have to step up in terms of club rugby as well, you know, up to the AIL and that sort of thing. You know, you go up into a higher sort of a level. What's it like, that transition from sort of junior rugby up to that, I suppose you call it semi-pro? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, the setup in Lansdowne is pretty much like a professional team, to be honest. Um the standard of players you're playing with, you have you have your five or six players who are who are club players and they've played a hundred or two hundred games in the AIL, and then you have academy players being filtered out through it, and then younger lads from the under twenties, and it's just um, a really good setup up there. And then obviously the coaching staff is obviously very very impressive in Nans, and we had Mike Ruddock, who was our head coach for the five or six years that I was there, and he had just come, he had come from winning a Grand Slam at Wales and. He was the Irish under twenty coach at the same time as well. So um yeah, it's pretty pretty much that the AIL AIL setup and in the top teams in the AIL up in Dublin are pretty much like a professional setup, but there's not much difference between what you'd see in in the Pro 14 setup as you would there. But um yeah, obviously coming up from Carlo it was a bit of a shock, but um at that stage I would have have been playing with um Irish under eighteens and nineteens and twenties, that sort of team. So I would have known a lot of the lads from Dublin who would have been playing in them clubs. So that made it a lot easier. And um yeah, Lansdowne and Fairness is a great club. There's lads from it's not just Dublin lads there, there's lads from all over Ireland, plenty of lads from Wexford and even Kilkenny. I don't know if you know Foster Horn from Kilkenny College. I would have played with him for a couple of years in Lansdowne as well. So now it was definitely an enjoyable time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously playing with Lansdowne and playing uh, with the Irish underage setups, you're in the shop window for Leinster um, and the provinces as well. And Leinster picked you up somewhere along the way then? Yeah, I think it was after I played Irish under-20s. I would have had a Six Nations with them and I went pretty well with that and then went to the World Cup in the summer, the Junior World Cup with the Irish under-20s. And then I think it was the summer after that, then I got offered my academy contract in Leinster. So um would have been I don't know three or four of us who were on that team together who would have got offered contracts and I went into the academy then and from then on it's pretty much you're in the academy but you're pretty much a full-time professional you're training with the senior team you're doing gym sessions with the senior team and you're part of the senior team you're just labeled an academy player but there's probably no real difference it's just kind of developing you to be ready to to get your first professional contract. Is that unique to Leinster, Tom? Because um, I've heard it mentioned before that the, all the players train together, and like you said, it's just one big group. Like you, you're an academy player, like you said, as a label. But at the end of the day, you're all in the shop window. You can get picked up. You can get starts. You can get your debuts or whatever it is if you're good enough. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think it's unique. It's the same here in Connacht, anyway, and I presume it's the same in um, Munster and Ulster as well. Though it's just like. Um, there's probably what fifteen to twenty lads in, in in each academy, and they're the fellas who they think can go on and and get professional contracts. And it's just kind of, I suppose, they give you three years to kind of prove yourself, and you, you usually pick up a cap or two along along the way during your three years. And if you go well in them, you're more than likely, well, hopefully get get signed on a professional contract. It's just kind of like a stepping stone because you're quite young when you go into the academy. I think I went in when I was, I must have been nineteen or twenty, just after under twenty. So um. You might not be fully ready for senior rugby at that stage. Um, obviously, you see the few, the few, few young young freaks who come in and play straight away. But um, the majority of us, the majority of players, need a couple of years to mature, whether that's physically or or um, on the pitch. But um, yeah, it's just a good way of bleeding young lads through into the senior team, and then eventually you'll sign your first full professional contract. 
Um, I remember interviewing Sean O'Brien years ago um, about the academy, and he says it was it was very tough. He found it very very tough in there. It, um, it was just tense, a um, lot of pressure on it. Now that could have been putting pressure on himself and all that. How did you find the whole environment? You know, did you do you feel like you said you're in you're in that academy and you have a couple of years to prove yourself? Do you feel that pressure every time you go out and play, going, oh, "I need to perform," or you know? You know, this because this could be all over in a while. Like, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. There's definitely, definitely always pressure, especially, um, especially if you do get that chance to represent the senior team when you're in the academy. There's obviously going to be that added pressure. But even every time you go out to train every day with the with the senior team, it's um a chance to impress the coaches, and you have to. You don't just look at a training session as a training session. You have to look at it as a opportunity to do to put yourself in the shop window and especially in the Leinster Academy, the amount of talent coming through ahead of you and behind you, because you always young lads coming up behind you. It's just a, it's a never ending turn, turnstile of, of talent. So, um, yeah, you definitely just have to be on your A game every day and do everything you can to try, uh, try put yourself in the best position to get selected on the team. And, um, just, you don't know when your opportunities are going to come. Um, like you might be waiting two or three years for it, but then all of a sudden there could be a couple of injuries in your position and you're thrown straight in. So, um, you just have to kind of be ready the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. And Tom, in the academy uh, or in the Leinster setup as well, like you play 10, 12, 13, um, so that we know the talent that's there at the moment and a couple, over the last couple of years with Leinster, even at all positions, <laughs> even the back row, front row, everything in Leinster now, there's lads queuing up. The depth chart, the depth chart is quite big as well. So the competition is ferocious. Um, so you were in the middle of all that as well with the sextons of the world and and everything else. Yeah, no. To be honest, it was uh, there's you know there's competition everywhere you look in in Leinster. To be honest, and that's why you kind of look around the provinces today and you see so many. People like you look down at Munster and you see Tyke Byrne who was going on a Lions tour now. He was in the academy, he was a couple of years ahead of me in the academy in Leinster. And yeah, he played a few games for Leinster, but he never really got the the full breakthrough that he probably deserved. And that's just because the amount of talent that was ahead of him. But he, you see, he went to Wales then, played a couple of years in Scarlets, and came back now. And he's starting for Ireland. And you look up in Ulster, you have the likes of Jordy Murphy and Jack McGrath, and even in Connacht, myself. and there's um there's loads like all around the province of lads who've come through Leinster and who who've been frustrated with the amount of game time they were getting just because of the talent and gone somewhere else and forged out a, 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 probably a better career for themselves. So it's uh you can just see the amount of talent coming through Leinster. They can't all fit into one team, so it's getting spread spread around the provinces. Yeah, and and uh, while well, you mentioned that as well, Leinster, of course, given quite a sizable amount of people caps this year as well. They've used fifty up to sixty players, so they're trying to do it. In one sense, but as you said, like two or three senior games a year might be enough. You know, it's probably not enough. And it all depends on the context of when you're dropped into the team as well. You mightn't get a chance to flourish. Um, and then there's a bit of frustration there as well. And Tom, you obviously left Leinster and you went to Connacht. So there was obviously a turning point or there was a chance there where you were thinking to yourself probably, okay, God, look at the people ahead of me. I know I'm confident in my own ability, but Jesus, if I just skip across to the West, you know, you know, maybe my fortunes might be better, whatever it is. Tell us about that. Yeah, so okay, kind of, I had a kind of breakthrough, well, not, I wouldn't call it a breakthrough season, but I had my first season where I was playing senior rugby in Leinster. I think it was in 2017 and I played maybe, I think I got 11 games that year, which was decent and I was happy with how it was going. And then, Maybe I was hoping the next year I kick on and become a more regular player. And unfortunately, in the first game of preseason, I 
tore my ACL, which is a pretty big knee injury you can have, and it put me out for the pretty much the whole season in 2018. I got back for the last game of the year, and I played played I played in that last game of the year, but that was it then. And then the following year, I was struggling to get back into the team just because lads had done very well when I, when I, when I had been out injured, and um, I wasn't seeing as much game time as I'd like, so. I just remember on a random Sunday, I got a phone call from Andy Friend, who's the Connacht, Connacht coach, and he just said they'd had a few injuries in the backs and they were looking around the provinces for someone who could come on loan. And he just said, listen, listen, if you come over now, you're going to get game time straight away and you're going to fit straight into the team. We have a good few injuries in the centre. And I, I kind of just looked at it and then I was like, Jesus, this is such a good opportunity. I'm going to go down there on Monday and I'll be playing on Saturday. And I, I kind of rang Leo Cullen and... He sort of supported you. In fairness to him, he supported my decision, or he supported the whole idea of it, and gave me the go ahead. Because it's good for him as well that he doesn't have a player who's not happy in the club and who's who's not playing. So it kind of worked out well for all of us. And I went down there anyway. I think it was just after Christmas in twenty eighteen. I think I went down and just around that time where all the Interpros are playing over Christmas and my first game was against Munster in the sports ground. And it was uh, I started that game and it was class and. Um, it just went from there then yeah really I had a pretty I played I think five or six games in a row after Christmas and Connacht then offered me a contract for the following year and I was enjoying it so much that I signed it and I think I'm, in, I'm down here two and a half years now and haven't really looked back since I've been playing most games so it's 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 been a good move for me yeah absolutely and it's uh you know, it, they're, they're the little opportunities that pop up, and you can imagine what it would have been like if you said no um, mm-hmm. to Andy that time. Which would be hard. It'd be hard to turn down a chance to play more games naturally, because that's what you all want. What all the pro players uh, want to do as well. So since going down to Connacht, uh, so there was a move, of course, you're going from the big smoke across to the west. Uh, so a bit of a change, a uh, bit of a change in the whole Leinster thing and all that. Connacht, the environment, um, Galway, all that sort of stuff. What's it like, Tom? Uh, it's, it's class. It uh, obviously was a big change from Dublin. Um, it's uh, a lot smaller and a bit more close-knit than, than everything in Dublin. But uh, no, I've, I've settled in brilliantly. And I think it, just the fact that if you're playing and you're enjoying your rugby, you're going to enjoy where you are and even just as the culture kind of down here that Andy Friend has built in the club, like it's, it's, a, it's a very tight knit club. Um, it's probably a smaller squad than we have in Leinster. So maybe you get to know the lads a bit better. I don't know, but um, no, it's, it's, it's been going well and we've had some really big results this year, which, which helps as well. And yeah, no, I must say I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it and looking forward to next season, the next couple of years down here as well. Yeah, absolutely. Connacht are flying it. You've got Andy has just uh, another sort of a game plan. There was great work done a couple of years ago with Pat Lamb, of course, the Pro 14 in the bag there as well. But Andy's picked up where Pat's left off and kept Connacht on that progression as well. And I find Connacht great to watch. Um, it's for, sort of fast, ferocious uh, rugby. It's it's a uh, hell for letter is the best term I could use for it, uh, Tom, um, watching his play. Um, but it's great to see as well, and it's great to see the provinces all performing strongly. A couple of weeks ago, you captain Connacht. Uh, you were down in Thomond Park, and you beat Munster. And Munster had a fairly well-packed team that day. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a bit of a surprise, to be honest. I got a call from Andy um, the morning that the team was going to be named, and he just let me know that he's, he wanted me to captain the team because... Jared Butler, our club captain, was out injured. So um, he just said, your performance has been going well and uh, I want you to captain the team. He just said, you don't need to change anything. Just keep leading by example on the pitch. And 
the lads will follow you. So um, I had I don't have too much experience being a captain, but uh, it was quite easy. I had a lot of other lads around me helping me, and it was just a nice honour to have. And then obviously to get the win down in Tomond, which doesn't happen too often, was a nice cherry on top. And the lads put in a massive performance, and yeah, it was definitely one to remember for me personally. Anyway. Yeah, it was a great game as well. Um, fantastic game. Um, right to the wire as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, just a, a win like that, though, gives a huge lift to a team as well, Tom. You know that from being in with the lads as well. But uh, beating Munster on their back door is great. Um, beating any of the provinces in their own ground is huge. And Connors have been able to do it to Leinster plenty of times. As yeah, well. no, I think it was the, the first, I only found out after we beat Munster, it's the first time in history Connacht have beaten Ulster, Munster and Leinster all away in one season. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah it was a nice little, little, uh, little I don't know, what, what you, whatever, a little reward to get anyway. But, um, yeah, listen, like we've had some massive wins like that, but I'd probably just say the one thing we need, still need to work on is our consistency. Like we have some massive performances and then we can have these dips. But, uh it's definitely a work in progress and you can see that in the table we finished second and second in our conference behind Munster and if it was a normal season we would have been heading into semi-finals of Pro 14 but obviously they didn't run it that way this year and then even just in the Rainbow Cup in the last couple of weeks we've won two of our three games and beaten Munster and Munster away it's, it's no small feat so I think it's been a very very good season overall. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your form has been good. Um, you're obviously happy with the way you're playing as well. You have a lot of versatility too, Tom, in terms of you've played out half, 12, 13. Um, you'd probably throw you in full back to wing, whatever, I suppose, if they were stuck. Um, you're happy with your game at the moment. You're obviously enjoying your rugby there as well. And I, like you said earlier in the interview, um, you know, when you're happy and you're playing, it just, you know, it's like a a snowball, things get better, you know, when you're enjoying your rugby and your form dictates that as well. No, it's been, yeah, like you said it there, it's just been, it's been a good year and the uh, performances have been good, which is, which is, uh, which is nice. And I like probably didn't realize it before in my career, but like form is actually a thing. Like you play well one week and you seem to play well the next week and it just keeps rolling. So hopefully it can continue for me. It's been going pretty well this year. Um, I've got lucky a few times with there's a few lads who've been injured and Bundy getting banned and whatnot, but like things have just fell my way this year and luckily I've taken my chances and hopefully it'll continue now in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. The Rainbow Cup is still to be wrapped up, so there's still plenty of games uh, to come. Um, and just speaking about, uh, we'll talk about Bundy Aki and the Lions now in a second, but um, Andy Farrell is... Uh, has a couple of internationals coming up during the summer as well. There's lads gone on the lines. He'll be looking to have a look at other players across the provinces and see how they fit. Um, do you fancy your chances of getting into the Ireland squad for those internationals? Ah, listen, it'd be uh, that would be a dream come true if I did, and hopefully, maybe like the call might come. Um, listen, I don't, I, I'm not trying not to think about it too much. I'm just trying, trying to think about playing well for Connacht. But uh, hopefully, if I do play well for Connacht over the next couple of games, that will put me in a in a strong position to be selected. Um, there's obviously a lot of other good centres around, and the likes of Gary Ringrose, who, did, who probably I thought should have got selected for the Lions and didn't. He'll obviously be in there, and there's there's other guys playing well in other provinces. But uh, yeah, I suppose when Bundy was selected and and I saw Robbie and Bundy both going on the Lions, it probably gave me that little bit of extra hope because that's too. Number 12 has gone from the Ireland squad, so I was probably the person celebrating second most in the squad when I saw Bundy getting selected after himself, so so that was that was good news. 
Absolutely. Well, you have to be selfish. These are the things that, that happen. I know it sounds mad to anyone listening that doesn't play rugby, but when you see your uh, player that plays in your position and he goes down injured, you're sort of going, ah, poor him. But on the other side, here's a couple of games coming down the road for me. Like <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. just professional sport, isn't it? That is, yeah. And when your chance comes and you have to take it, that's like what I said in, earlier yeah. about being in the academy and stuff. You never know when... when injuries are going to happen to, to players so you just need to be ready to take your chance when it does come um, Your teammate Bundyaki like you said got selected for the Lions they got vaccinated there um, during the week um, so they're all getting ready to head over to South Africa um, the Lions is a huge honour to be called up to of course as well uh, Bundy I suppose he wouldn't have been in the centre of everyone's thinking I suppose beforehand we know how talented he is for Ireland and Connacht Um but he's gone over there. Uh, Robbie Henshaw's heading over, of course, as well. There's a good chance the two of them could link up for a couple of those games. The Lions, Tom, what's your overall thoughts on it? Is, is it something that you think is good, interesting or otherwise? I know we're all rugby fans and we like yeah. more rugby, I suppose. What do you think of the whole concept of the Lions itself? Uh, I, I, I absolutely love it. I think it's like unbelievable. I remember, it's what I remember growing up watching. I, I remember that 2009 Lions store in South Africa, must 12 years Brilliant. ago which is scary, but like that was, I just remember thinking that was like the coolest thing ever. And then they bring out the documentary after it and you can see the behind the scenes stuff. And it's just, it's just class. I just think the whole concept of picking the best players from the four, four countries and bringing them together to, to, to tour down under it's, it's, it's just class. And um, obviously for Bundy, as you said, he probably wasn't in many people's picks, but I always knew he'd be close. He's, um, for Ireland over the last four years, he's been consistently excellent and he's nearly started. I think he's, I saw some stat that he has 33 caps for Ireland and he started 32 of them. So he's nearly always starting for Ireland. So he probably just got unlucky over the last, over the last, just the six nations just gone that Robbie Henshaw and Gary Ringrose were in such good form and he probably didn't get that chance. But I think in that last game, when he came in against England, he was, he had a phenomenal game. I know he got that, that red card, which is unlucky, but apart from that, he had a, he had a massive game and, he obviously had enough credit in the bank with Warren Gatland and he saw the talent that he could bring to the to the squad and he'd probably suit that South African team as well. They probably need someone physical in the centre and I think um, Bundy will definitely bring that. So we were all obviously delighted for him. We were all actually watching it in the changing room. We had just finished training and we got it up on the TV in the changing room and he was, I think he was the first name called out and the place went mad. So it was it was class for the club and it's, it's massive for Connacht as well because it's not often you'd have a line I think the last one was Kieran Fitzgerald, which is, would have been I don't know wow. thirty or forty years ago. So yeah. it's, a, it's a, a massive, massive thing for the club and just massive thing for Bundy in general. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine the scenes there, water bottles and Luke said flying all over the place. Yeah, um, exactly. uh, yeah, and then the way to do it with the lines as well, Tom, is is unique. Yeah. That it's it. The lads literally only find out on the telly watching with everyone else. There's no such thing as the phone call the night before or any of that sort of stuff. It's just uh, he's standing there in the dressing room going, right, yo, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, I'd say he didn't enjoy it as much as we did but because uh, like, he obviously thought he had, he had a chance. And I'd say he was very nervous sitting there. But I'd say once his name name was called out, I'd say he was just delighted and he um yeah he he took he took it well and I'm just best to look to him. He was actually they all went over to London yesterday. They flew over on Tuesday night and they were had a kind of a meet and greet or whatever and a bit of media and stuff like that yesterday. So he got to meet all the lads and he said said it was a cool experience. So I'd say he's just raring to go now. So um hopefully it goes well for him.
Absolutely. It's a bit of a pity as well that the whole thing is attainted a bit by COVID. Um, and that's not just the lines. You know yourself, Tom, no crowds over in the sports ground or at any of the of the, the, the places. Like, can you imagine that game against Munster a few weeks ago if Tolman was full um, or near full? Um, it, it's an awful pity, but we're getting back to it at the moment. The crowds will be hopefully back in towards the end of the year. They're letting them back in now in Britain and stuff. There was crowds back in for the uh, Champions Cup and Challenge Cup finals as well. Um, how strange is it, from your point of view, playing in front of empty stadiums and, and hearing the echo of your voice off the stands when you're shouting? Yeah, no, I get asked this a lot, and uh, even just from randomers on the street and stuff. But uh, I, I'm just kind of saying, like now it's kind of normal to me not having crowds. So when the crowds come back, it's going to be weird. So, but at the start, at the start, it was definitely different. Our first two games um, with no crowds, they were in August. I don't know if you remember, they were in the Aviva Stadium against Ulster and Munster. And I just remember thinking I had played my club Lansdowne. I think they have some deal with the Aviva that they get two games a year there, but then two games is never anyone at them. And it just reminded me of an AIL game, but it was a full, uh, nearly two international teams playing each other. But uh, no, it was it was very weird at the start. And the bit I found weirdest is warming up because usually when you're warming up, there's crowd is filtering in and they're nice and loud and there's music playing and stuff. Whereas now when we run out to warm up, there's, it's just eerie silence and you can hear the other team talking and stuff. It's, it, it's very weird, but uh, I'm sure, yeah, now you can... I remember I was watching the Premier League here two weeks ago and it was the first night that the crowds were back in and I was just like it's actually class when you can hear the crowd like jeering the ref and just cheering and stuff it's um <laughs> it'll, it'll just it'll be it'll be different all right so I think it's, it's it looks like it's coming soon it was it's getting yeah. back to it in the UK so hopefully now throughout the summer over the summer or come September when we start the, the next season we'll have a have a bit of a crowd in the sports ground and it'll be good again Absolutely, there'd be no problem shifting season tickets. I'd say for next year, people yeah. are mad to get back in the games. Yeah, like the sports, like Connacht have uh, grown their following over the last number of years as well. Obviously, with a bit of success as well, but just building and building and building as well. And that brand of rugby that Connacht are playing as well, and um, the sports ground does be fierce, noisy um, for matches over there. It's great uh, to see as well. Um, so. Yeah, so things going well uh, in in Connacht. Um, I suppose, like any of the other provinces, um, the Rainbow Cup is where it's at at the moment. I suppose it's a bit strange, like the Pro 14 is finished and the Champions and Challenge Cup has all gone behind us as well. And here we are still sort of heading into the summer playing uh, a version of the Pro 14. But I suppose to you, Tom, rugby is rugby and more matches, you know, how bad? Yeah, no, definitely. It was it was definitely all a bit strange over the last few months because we didn't actually really know what was happening with the season. Like there was kind of fixtures being announced, and you didn't know what was going on after them fixtures. Then they'd announce another handful of fixtures, and then then we kind of found out there was not really going to be an end to the season. It was just going to be a straight final with, with the top two teams. So we were kind of sitting in second position, and we were kind of preparing for a semi final, which was frustrating enough that we didn't get to play that. But uh, then they announced this Rainbow Cup, which we didn't really know too much about, but then you see your first three fixtures are Ulster, Leinster, and Munster, and I don't think it, I don't think it really matters what tournament that's in when you're playing them. You're gonna be you're gonna be up for it because you know the lads you're playing against. So no, it's been it's been good, and we've put ourselves in a decent position now. We've won two out of three, and I think there's probably two or three points between first and eighth in the league. It's all very tight. So um, I think if we win our next two games, we're in with a chance of making the final. So that's all we can do is beat Treviso this weekend, and then hopefully beat Ospreys the following week and we've put ourselves in a good position. But um, 
yeah, it's a, it's a strange old tournament. Is It'll probably only be this year and then it'll never be on again, but obviously the silver at the end of it and that would be lovely to win. So we're just taking it game by game and hopefully we'll, we'll go well this weekend and beat Teresa. Absolutely. Do you keep an eye on the Carlo footballers when you're, uh, as everything is to be watched on the streams now or listened to on the, the local radio or whatever? Are you keeping an eye on the footballers? I'm trying, yeah, I try my best to keep an eye on it, but you're... Um, there's so much there's so much going on now it's hard to keep track of everything but uh i was getting a few texts from peter dooley over in leinster uh over the weekend when the hurling was on awfully obviously be carlo he'd be a big awfully man so he was jeering a bit about that but yeah no I, i'd keep tabs on what's going on back home of course but uh actually it's it's t- over the last few months i've only been back maybe a handful of times just with restrictions and stuff and especially within within connacht and the irfu they're fairly strict on what, what we're allowed to do and who we're allowed to see so I haven't been home too much, but hopefully now when, when things open up a bit more and during our time off over the summer, I'll get back to Carlo for a couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Byrne brothers, uh, Brian and Ed, of course, Brian is over with Bristol. Ed is uh, he's flying it with Leinster at the moment. He's getting a good few games um, and he got a couple of uh, internationals as well. And do you keep in touch with those boys or would you be mates with them at all? Oh yeah, I'd be I'd be great mates with Ed and Brian. I would have, they would have been on that them underage teams with John Farrell, I would have spoke, so it would have been Myself, the two of them, Stephen Attright, who captained Leash footballers for a couple of years. So there was a good handful of us on that team. But uh, I would have came up through the academy with them in Leinster and then played a few games at Leinster with them as well. But I'd be in touch. I met Ed up in the sport. We played Leinster here a couple of weeks ago and I was chatting to Ed for a good bit after the game. And we said we'd meet up during the summer if, if we can. And it's obviously tough now, like with me being in Connacht, Ed being in Leinster and Brian being in, in Bristol, whereas at the start we were all together in Leinster. But uh no, and it's it's just great to see Brian. Brian, he's doing really, really well with, with Bristol. They obviously have Pat Lamb over there as well, so the Connacht lads would obviously keep an eye on, on Bristol as well because of the connection there, but um, he seems to be flying it. And uh, Ed, obviously, over the last few months, he's got, he's got his international caps, which is a massive achievement. And I kind of would have said it would have come at some stage because he was always a kind of standout player um, coming up through the ages. So... Um, delighted for him as well but yeah we, we do keep in touch and it's just great to see the two lads going so well what about Shawnee o'brien <laughs> yeah, yeah no he seems he's living the life over in london there he's kind of he yeah. turned into a bit of a london celebrity i think so he's uh <laughs> he seems to be enjoying it and it's just yeah he obviously had trouble with his hip over his last few years in then strength it's just class to see him come back from that operation and playing so well for london irish it's um hard to catch the games on tv because sometimes we don't have the channels here or whatever but the, the ones i have seen he's been he's been going very well and he seems to be a, having a bit of an influence on london irish because they seem to be doing very very well this year whereas before they might have been bottom half of the premiership for over the last few years but i think they're six seventh five fifth or six now so he's obviously had a positive positive impact over there and that's class to see as well yeah, absolutely. I think that's Declan Kidney's philosophy. I think he uses players to build a team. Um, you know, bringing in the likes of Sean and that experience as well um, is huge. And yeah, uh, yeah it, it's it's great. I was just thinking the other day, it's 10 years since Leinster. It was 10 years last week or during the week since Leinster won the Heineken Cup in Cardiff um, in the Millennium Stadium. Um, yeah. 10 years, couldn't believe it. A decade has passed already. Um, and just that was with the year that Sean was named European Player of the Year as well. Um, and that it's just one of those things with rugby, just that everything just passes so quick. One minute you've Sean coming through the academy, then he's 
playing for Leinster, then he's an international, and then he's a London Irish. Yeah. <laughs> and the same with Brian and Ed and yourself. You know, we're looking at you playing underage. You know, only seems like a year or two ago. Um, geez, and now these are all you know lining out every week or most weeks for your provinces and uh, or clubs or whatever it is. And uh, you know, like Ed getting internationals and that as well. And there's a good chance yourself, Tom, being the shop window now. Come come the summer as well you know keep banging on Andy Farrell's door and see what happens yeah no listen I said it earlier it'd be a dream come true and it'd be class to to do it with Ed as well I'm sure Ed will be in that squad as well so yeah. whenever it na- whenever it's named I'm not actually sure when it's going to be named but I'm sure it's in the next couple of weeks I'll be I'll have a look at it and if I'm in it I'll be delighted and if I'm not I'll I'll be sad for a few days but we'll see what happens <laughs> and how does that happen do you get the phone call is it from from him himself uh, is that how I don't actually know I, I remember when the when the Six Nations squad was being picked during the around January, there I I was act, I was playing quite well at the time, and I knew I was going to be kind of close. And he rang me the night before the squad was being named, just to say that I wasn't going to be in the squad and and that I was going to be I was close, and that there was a good discussion about whether to include me or not. And he kind of gave me a few reasons why I wasn't, and said to just keep going or whatever. And that was obviously nice because I never I was never close to a squad before, and it was just nice to know that my form was recognized and i was close to that so i'm not sure does he usually do it or what what way to do it but uh i think you find out through email maybe and then they announce the squad the next day but i think you might get a heads up through an email or something that you're going to be in it so i'll, I'll be ref- hopefully my email inbox will be flickering on there and whenever <laughs> whatever day that's going to be announced but i'm trying yeah. not to think about it anyway i'll just try keep playing well for connacht and if, if it happens it happens Absolutely, Tom, and long may continue as well. It's great to see you doing so well uh, over there, and it's great to catch up with you here on KCLR and, and Scoreline, keeping tabs on our Carlo and Kilkenny players are spread further afield. Um, thanks a million for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, no, <laughs> cheers, cheers for having us on. That was Carlo Mann and Connacht player Tom Daly. I'm Stephen Byrne and that's it from the Knock On Rugby podcast on scoreline.ie. Don't forget to visit scoreline.ie for more on rugby. And of course, if you're into your GAA, we've got the Clash Act podcast. We've got all things MMA and lots more. Talk to you soon.